Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. My name is Danny. And I'm Connie. The author of Hebrews writes that our hope in Jesus Christ is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. So come and join us and let us celebrate this journey with Christ. Come on in. Our first lesson today is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. For those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many idols, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when we eat sacrificed food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, Eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Our second lesson is taken from the Gospel of Mark. We are still in the first chapter. We are now moving on to verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of the Lord. They went to Capernaum, and when, when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught Jesus. They were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. 
at once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want you to think for just a second and respond. It's responsive. Mm -hmm, Now I have your attention. Good. I want you to think about when you were a child and you would hear those things that your parents say in that kind of parental voice that those who love us and care for us often do? What are some things that you remember your parents saying to you that are just great parent sayings? Some that might be common, some that might be appropriately unique to your parents. I'm sorry? Because I said so. Perfect. Was that the same one? <laughs> Excellent. Because I said so. What else? Uh, don't say anything if you can't say something nice. Good. Other good parentisms. If your friend jumped off a bridge, Yes, so so many great ones. And what is it when we are a child, and we also know as parents, we often employ some of those same phrases. What is it that parents have that children don't? (laughs) The authority, right. And sometimes children, and we've been both of those, many of us, We challenge that authority, right? We don't always appreciate the wise words of our parents. Talk to my girls, they'll help you with that. But there is some parental authority. There are authority figures, there are systems of authority all through our lives. Some we accept, some we don't. Some we challenge. This story is a lot about authority. So as Vicki said in the children's moment, we are in the gospel of Mark. Just a few things, significant things have happened so far. Jesus is just starting his ministry. We're still in the first chapter. He had just, we talked about Jesus calling the disciples last week. Remember, follow me and I'll make you fishers of all people. So now he's got some of those disciples and what does he do? Goes to church. Goes to church. Synagogue. For our Jewish friends. There was one temple, friends, one temple. But these outcrops in the local villages, those were the synagogues, the gathering places where they would, and at certain times during the year, they would all go to the temple for these greater celebrations and travel feasts. But many times they are there in their synagogues, which again is kind of like our local church. So we're in Capernaum, which is in the Sea of Galilee, which is north. So you have Bethlehem, you have Jerusalem, you have the River Jordan, and on top of that, north is the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum right on the north shore, a little bit west, where Jesus starts his ministry does a lot of things in the little villages right around the Sea of Galilee, calls those disciples from those places, fishing villages, agricultural, small little villages, but it's where Jesus starts, and it's where he starts today. 
So he goes in to the synagogue and teaches. And just at this time, we are not told what he teaches. We don't have any information about him standing up, reading the scroll, reading from Isaiah, as we do in some of the others. It just says he teaches. At this point, it's not important yet to know what he teaches because there's an effect on the crowd. You remember great teachers in your educational history? We all know some teachers are better than others. We all know we like the soft, bubblier ones, but yet it's often the stern ones that help us to learn the most. But when teachers change our lives, a lot of it has to do with the way that they teach. And something was happening with Christ, rabbi himself seen as a teacher. Words matter. And Jesus already, before he does anything other than teach and talk to them, they are amazed and astonished at his teaching as one with authority. Authority, we talked a little bit about that already. Not like the scribes. What does that mean? Scribes are bad? Scribes are poor teachers? Well, not necessarily. Because what do the scribes talk about? Well, the same thing in the same way that, that I and all those who preach do. We talk through Scripture. So I might say Abraham in his day said this, or David, or Peter, or Elizabeth, or Lydia, or Sarah, or Rebecca. They said this, and here's our application. Here's how God is speaking to us through this. That's how the scribe, and that's, of course, the way they should do it. Jesus stands up and says, it's not according to them. I tell you, not Moses told you, not David told you, I tell you. He is standing and claiming the authority as someone that they couldn't even conceive at this point. And so again, they're astonished. And then what happens after that? Amongst them is someone with an unclean spirit. Now, it doesn't say that the back doors of the synagogue were kicked open and somebody comes in crazy running around. Could very well have been someone who was seated. Someone who normally was okay. It doesn't tell us the extent to which this person is affected or afflicted. But Jesus speaks. And this, whatever it was, responds. Cried out, what have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Wow. Only one in that place to realize that Jesus was the Holy One of God was the demon or demons within that tortured soul. Well, and again, we can't blame the congregation. This may be very early in their relationship where Jesus stands up and is claiming this authority. What does that mean? And the demons say, I get it. What do you want? Leave us alone. And Jesus says, be quiet. 
come out of him, and they did. So not only does Jesus teach, but he shows them. Already in the first thing, we get this understanding again, just as we did last week, that our call to follow Christ is not just in using our words, not just in using our minds, not just our learning, but in our doing. Right away, Christ sets this paradigm for ministry that he will be teaching and he will be healing. And it's not just healing in the sense of making sick people well or giving us that that shalom, that wholeness that we all seek, but it's freeing us from other and or negative things as it was for this man who had the demons. Jesus says, I have come to set the captives free. And he shows them already. What was that man captive to? Well, whatever this demon thing was going on. Frees him right away. So there is teaching. He is claiming the authority. I have come among you and I am telling you. And then he shows them that he has the authority and what he is there to do to heal and to set us free. All right, preacher, what about this demon business? Demons real? Have you seen it? They didn't say this man's head turned all the way around and green goo came shooting out of his mouth. But I believe you can't explain. We kind of have this post-enlightenment look that says, well, maybe he was an epileptic or maybe he had some kind of mental something. And that may be. I think there was some crossover and confusion with that. But at the same time, I think there's no way around because these demons talk to him. Epilepsy doesn't say, I'm epilepsy, Jesus. These dark forces say, we know who you are. Leave us alone. He's mine. We've got this one. You can have the rest. Paraphrase. Jesus doesn't even give them the time of day. He doesn't argue with them. Be silent and come out of him and freeze the man right there. A cry and a convulsion and they are gone. And we see this again and again in different ways throughout Jesus' ministry. And the same word, exousia, that means authority, also means power, a divine power. When Jesus sends the disciples out to go cast out demons in his name, he uses this same word, Greek word for authority, also means power. Christ is putting those systems on notice that says nothing is going to bind him No principality, no principle, no form of justice or injustice, no human construct, no monarchy, no army will be able to contain him. He is already showing his authority over it all. So you're saying there are real demons, I could have a real demon in me right now? Well, sure you could. 
I mean, I don't want to explain that away, but at the same time, I fully believe that there is evil and darkness in the world, that there is evil and darkness in our lives that battles with the light of Christ every day. Whether we call those demons or we just call them our edges that we need to work on, we know, we often know what those things are. If not, we need to do some internal work to figure that out. Because none of us is free and clear of those things, and we can all be overtaken by those things that we might generally say as sin, fear, greed, materialism, the quest for power and status and our self-centered nature. At the same time, we are made by God in God's image. We are good and glorious creations. We also have this propensity for darkness. And when they take us over, and when we are starting to live our lives and affect those around us by these forces, well, then the same thing is happening whether we call that a demon or not. I'd like to read you a, um, a little excerpt from a writer, Kathleen Norris, who I think puts it into a modern understanding very well. She says, when I think of demons that I need to exercise, I have to look inward to my heart and soul. Anger is my best demon, she says. Useful wherever, whenever I have to go into Wonder Woman mode. Harmful when I use it to gratify myself, either in self-justification, self-justification or to deny my fears. My husband, who has a much sweeter nature than I, once told me that my mean streak grieved him, not just because of the pain it caused him, but because it was doing me harm. His remark is wise of that of any desert Abba or father felt like an exorcism. Not that my temptation to anger was magically gone, but I was called to pay closer attention to something that badly needed attention, and that was hurting our marriage. It confirmed my understanding of marriage as a holy act. One can, do, can no more hide one's true faults from a spouse than from God. And here she finishes. And in exercising the demon of anger, that which could kill is converted, transformed into that which can heal. So through Christ, we are called to engage these forces. Whatever we call them, we know they are present with us. Whether they've taken us over or we have a sense that we can beat them back or we've just become comfortable in our chains. Do you remember the, the John 5 story of Jesus coming to the man at the pool at Bethsaida? Or Bethesda, Bethesda healing, the healing pool? He comes and the man can't get to the pool. That's where the healing's supposed to happen. And Jesus says, do you even want to get well? same question would be of us. Are we comfortable in our chains with our sin and our particular demons that we wrestle with? Well, I can, I can control it here and sometimes I lose there. And, and that's, that's our struggle. But the key is to trust Christ enough and know that he comes with the authority and the power that can free us. Sometimes that can happen in a moment, but often it is our journey in which we open ourselves to the presence of the risen Christ 
And we see Christ as having that power. We have so demeaned Christ, I believe, in the way that we just see Christ as the milk toast, Renaissance, art era, meek and mild Jesus. Jesus came to whip some demon hiney, friends. And that means that we are empowered with that same power. And when we trust Christ, we too can be transformed. Don't you want that? I know I do. I want to be what God created me to be. And yet, I'm also happy in the sinful ways that I turn away from God. That doesn't work together. We've got to give Christ that glory. We've got to give Christ that understanding of our lives and to know that Christ has that authority, that power to transform us and the world. And just like last week, being called not just to our personal salvation. Jesus didn't call the disciples and say, follow me and your salvation will be complete. Follow me and at the end of this earthly life, you will reside with me in paradise. He says, follow me and I will make you fish for all people. In the same way, we are called to follow the words of Christ, to share with one another our faith, our love, our passion, our joy about this journey. And then we are to allow Christ to transform us so then we can go and heal in Christ's name. Yes, you have that power, you have that authority. We have to overcome our negative forces. Christ can help us do that. Again, it may not be overnight. A lot of this is difficult. Just like Catherine Norris says, she said it didn't mean the temptation to be unhealthily angry went away, but it was a realization that she could be transformed should she go to Christ and allow herself, fill herself with that power, that authority that Christ brings. You may be in a difficult spot When we find ourselves in difficult places, we are more susceptible, I think, to negativity and other forces, especially beyond our control. If you're hanging on by a rope, you hang on. And you come to Christ and you claim that authority. If you feel like you are strong, then you are ready to go and help others in faith. And you let that authority wash over you. Our call is to trust Christ and to know that Christ has the power. And so too will we. For there's so much in our own hearts and lives that need to be exercised. So much in our congregation, in our city, in our country, and in the world. Christ gives us the power to go and heal in his name. So with courage with trust, with faith, with joy, claiming the power that has been given. Let us go and do so. Hallelujah. Amen.